Chapter 4 Greenleaf Cannabis One week later, Jack sat at his desk going through bills. Though nearly all of his financial activities were online, the tactile act of shuffling paper was one of the few old-school activities he relished that relaxed him. The air filter in his office worked overtime, trying to choke down a volume of cannabis smoke that would have made a barbecue pitmaster proud. Even considering the amount of weed he consumed, Jack was unfazed, having developed an impressive tolerance over the years. Though he smoked, vaped, and consumed enough cannabis edibles to choke a mule, he was a medical user in the purest sense. Marijuana was the only thing that held his headaches at bay, brought on by accelerating. Jack didn't blame it all on neural acceleration, though. His physical and psychological conditions, most likely PTSD, started with a childhood lightning strike, culminating in a bizarre experiment by one of his current employees. No doubt, he was a gifted human. Often, he was referenced in academic papers and business journals. He was smart, insightful, and wealthy, but a little damaged nonetheless. Luke strolled in and plopped down on the leather office sofa. Damn, man! He waved his hands through the smoke. How do you function? Do you want something, or did you just come in to give me shit? Jack asked. Luke was indeed about to give Jack shit. When Daquan, their assistant, they called him Quan for short, strolled in and dropped off a box of Chinese sesame chicken takeout for Jack. Jack muttered something under his breath. That dumbass bring you sesame chicken again, Luke asked. Yeah, Jack said, turning up his nose. Like how many times? It's like he's retarded, Luke said, referring to Quan's semi-Asperger's condition. Luke grabbed the container from Jack's desk, walked to the door, and slung it down the hall, Chinese food flying everywhere, then screamed down the hall at Quan. Hey, dumbass, nobody eats sesame chicken. Kung Pao, is that too fucking hard to remember? Jack heard Quan mutter something in reply, echoing down the hall, something that sounded vaguely like butthole. Luke walked back to the couch and sat down as if nothing had happened, then spoke. So, I think I'm going to do that Bahamas trip tomorrow. You in? Jack sat with his mouth open, still trying to process how his brother could go from flaming dickhead to business as usual in under two seconds. Their childhood lightning strike may have opened up a few neural pathways, but it also obliterated Luke's impulse control. In the past, he had been Quan's biggest protector, but things changed after the lightning strike. This is my weekend, Jack said, pointing to the stack of bills on his desk. Luke cocked his eyebrow. You could let it slide. Come on, man. Thursday to Sunday. It'll be fun, and I promise on Monday, we'll get back and we'll start dialing for some new deals. Jack shook his head. I'll pass. Whatever, Luke said, twisting his long, blonde hair, something he did often while thinking. Just don't call me when you're bored as shit and trying to hide out from that nut job girlfriend of yours. Jack laughed. Baby brother gonna miss me? Luke scoffed. No, I'm just trying to save you from the dragon lady. Mark my words, she's hiding something. Big time. Luke then left in a huff. Jack heard Quan in the hall picking up the hunks of chicken and sauce. It looked like a really large diaper had failed. Hey, where's Eamon? Is he here? Jack asked Quan, referring to their other employee. 
Said he was coming in late. He's working on his dad's website, Quan yelled. Jeez, Jack said under his breath. So I'm paying these guys to do their parents' website and screw up lunch orders. He took a deep breath and tried to calm himself, returning to his work, rifling through invoices scattered on his desk. Though he had the capacity to mentally file and retrieve every invoice in his head at will, something about physically seeing and touching the invoices comforted him. Unfortunately, looking down at his bills, it was obvious that his company, Glasser Consulting, was starting to look like an expensive daycare center. Something had to give. The bills were piled high enough to rival a corned beef sandwich at his mom's favorite deli. He poured through them like a man on a mission. If he didn't, Luke sure as hell wouldn't. Damn, jets cost a lot of money, he thought. Luke, too. He looked over at his brother's business trips to St. Bart's and Monte Carlo the previous month. Unbelievable. Luke had hit every major casino in each city. The front-end expenses were high, but he always won, making a 60% average return on his money after expenses. The only problem is he never reimbursed the expenses. The Glasser brothers were, in fact, cash poor. The majority of their assets were in the stock market or other investments. Their house was worth millions, and they looked positively wealthy on paper. But they weren't liquid. At least Jack wasn't. This shit's gotta stop, he thought. If Luke wasn't bad enough, Jack's girlfriend made Luke look thrifty. He had been dating Beth for nearly a year and was starting to look like a war debt. He couldn't bring himself to lay all the blame on her. She never really asked for anything. But whatever he offered, she welcomed and at times abused. Her American Express card was the latest example of that. He'd given it to her as an emergency backup, but the charges gradually increased each month. It was now becoming a weapon of mass financial destruction. Money aside, initially, Jack and Beth had chemistry. Serious chemistry. Amazing sex with a short feedback loop and banner that was just caustic enough to be funny without leaving a mark. But over the last four months, she changed. Sex felt contrived, and the authenticity she possessed, her hallmark attribute, was now non-existent. The possibilities of a future with her began to fade as she'd become increasingly difficult and disagreeable. Her wit turned cruel, and her inner demons were coming out of the shadow, if for nothing else, just to emotionally beat the shit out of him occasionally. His thoughts turned toward the present. What possessed me to get her an American Express card? In the six months she'd had it, she'd spent $50,000, used $20,000 worth of jet fuel, and pissed off their pilot to the point that they had to give him a raise to keep him from quitting. Personal feelings aside, she was bleeding him dry, and the connection he so desperately sought just wasn't there. He knew it was time to pull the plug on the relationship. Turning to his computer, he looked at the open tab on his web browser for Greenleaf Pharmaceutical staring at the tastefully photographed pictures of weed offered for sale. What he hadn't told Luke was that he had spent time accelerating, taking a look at Greenleaf and the cannabis industry as a whole. Their website was a veritable weed porn site, an impressive menu of marijuana complete with detailed recommendations for specific ailments, as well as contraindications. PayPal accepted, of course. 
He grabbed the blank envelope off the corner of his desk that he had received anonymously a week prior, referring him to Greenleaf in the first place. It had no markings, and he had no idea who sent it. The trouble with working with government agencies was that they were either covert or incompetent. Initially, he thought the packet was snail mail spam. Lately, it seemed that he was on the list of every government agency that had some extra budget or a problem they couldn't solve themselves due to manpower shortages or just bureaucratic challenges. It was always labeled as interesting project, something they wanted him to look at, but most of it was so mundane it ended up in the trash. However, his own government, foreign governments, and large corporations paid handsomely for his and Luke's expertise. Luke was right. Almost getting shot on his last outing, that spooked him. Not so much the almost getting shot part, at least that's what he told himself, but the fact that he felt like he missed something, something big during his research, something big enough to inspire a successful CEO to paint the walls of his office with the insides of his skull. Though the mystery of it still lingered, annoyingly so. He was getting bored and felt the need to get back in the saddle. So most inquiries were now getting a cursory glance. Additionally, his and Luke's lifestyle explosion, lack of enthusiasm for their business, left him struggling to keep the granite on the walls, pay for their jet, their rent, and payroll without dipping into investments and savings. He found himself considering more of the bullshit inquiries than he had in the past. But Greenleaf piqued his interest for more than just money. There was an enclosed synopsis of essentially what he already knew, that the legal marijuana business was skyrocketing, and as more states legalized it, it would explode if the feds ever got off their asses and made changes at the national level. Canada, however, had gotten a jump on her neighbor to the south, first legalizing medical and then recreational use. The Canadian equivalent of the U.S. Food and Drug Administration had done a solid job, keeping the standards high and obliterating the black market. The weed business was booming, and Canada was producing some truly legit shit. He put down the inquiry letter and began pondering creative ways to break up with Beth when his phone rang. It was a call that would change his life.